Hello and welcome to another episode of Full Court Finance here at Zacks. I'm your host, Ben Rains. Today we're taking a look at two highly ranked stocks to consider buying amid all of the market uncertainty. And those two stocks we're going to look at today are Halliburton and Analog Devices. But before we get into everything, I want to say remember to subscribe and leave a review or every listener podcast. And make sure to check out our zacks.com slash promo page for a look and some of our services, portfolios, and more. And then also before we jump into these two stocks, it's worth just going over what's going on on the market since there's there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment. And then this will help frame why we're we're looking at these two stocks in particular. So the big data out on Friday morning, as I'm recording this, was the February jobs report. So U.S. hiring grew pretty solidly once again in February. Employers added about uh, 311,000 jobs, uh, and the unemployment rate did rise to about 3.6%. So this topped the 225K estimate, but came above the unemployment rate, which was expected to stay steady at about 3.4%. So another really strong jobs report. This came after Wednesday's ADP employment report came in hotter than projected. Uh, and investors obviously didn't like necessarily what they saw from jobless claims data on Thursday, which is really no surprise amid the continued strength of the labor market. And then we saw at least to come in lower than that huge January number, which some people will say that 500K number was even possibly wrong or something like that. But still, all that said, the jobs market remains really strong. On the positive side, average hourly earnings grew at 4.6% in February from year earlier, which is cooling from last year, but it's still above that pre-pandemic pace. And then there are signs that the strong hiring could even continue. Employers had about 10.8 million job openings in January, which was down slightly from the month before, but those totals are nearly double the number of unemployed people seeking work on way above pre-pandemic levels. So all told, the labor market remains ultra hot relatively, and that's sent stocks kind of falling off those highs from earlier this year or that that comeback from earlier this year. And then earlier this week, Jay Powell was in the news again as he said that he and his colleagues are going to be willing to raise interest rates by 50 basis points at its next meeting. Uh, Wall Street had been growing increasingly hopeful that the Fed would continue with its smaller 25 basis point hike uh, throughout 2023. And there is no guarantee that the Fed will raise at a higher clip at its next two-day FOMC meeting that ends on March 22nd. But Powell and the Fed are saying they're going to let the data be their guide. And after the hot uh, labor reports and jobs reports, we could see them possibly raise by 50 basis points. So the next big thing will be the February CPI result. And that, with that in mind, just in reference, Wall Street essentially has upped its bet from about 9% chance a month ago that the Fed would raise by 50 basis points to about 45% at the moment. So a big jump, uh, even though it's now down a little bit from last week when it got really high. So overall, it's now it's now kind of 50-50 chance. And if the Fed's going to do 50 basis points or 25 basis points, but all told, the Fed might have to do more and more to lower uh, inflation and with this in mind, the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 are both back below both their 50-day and 200-day moving averages. The 
benchmark did that on Thursday, and then the Fed or then the Nasdaq fell through Friday morning's dip. So over the last two days, the, the falling has them below both those key moving averages, which a lot of people on Wall Street are looking at. That's obviously not the end of the world, but it's not a great sign. So we're going to hope some buyers step in soon, or we could head lower and lower. And it is worth noting, though, strangely, that the two-year U.S. Treasury, which hit about five point oh seven percent, so over five percent for the first time since two thousand seven on Wednesday evening up from about 4.89% on Monday has tumbled since then. So it's now back to 4.7% as investors are rushing to safety amid concerns over some financial stocks. So this is all the concerns of their failure of the troubled tech lender, which is SVB Financial Group. Uh, they tried to raise some capital through a stock sale that's rippling through some markets on Friday morning. The stock was actually halted on Friday after it tumbled as much as like nearly 65% in pre-market trading. So that has some people worried that there could be some more stuff going on at some of these financial institutions. So that's why people are jumping back into treasuries. There's also the possibility that some investors are once again convinced that the Fed's inflation fight will be able to end a little quicker. So amid all of this, you can see how there's just lots of uncertainty at the moment and might have investors kind of nervous to still be buying stocks. But with this in mind, we're looking at stocks that offer solid value and have had strong positive earnings revisions recently because those are things that are going to never go out of style. And even amid the worst uh, markets and choppy markets and even bear markets, there are always uh, stocks that are going to do well. So the two stocks we're looking at today, as I mentioned, are Halliburton and analog devices. And the first of those two we're going to dive into is Halliburton, which trades in the ticker HAL. So Halliburton is a oil field services standout that works throughout the entire life cycle of a project. Uh, its products and offerings help oil and gas companies with everything from exploration and well construction all the way to abandonment activities. The entire oil and energy sector benefited, obviously, from soaring prices last year. And oil prices are holding up relatively better than some might have expected. They're obviously way off those record highs, which we'll get to at the end. But the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine has greatly disrupted oil and gas supplies. And more importantly, uh, the fighting and sanction have forced people to reevaluate the status quo. So oil exploration and drilling had gradually uh, been slowing leading up to the last few years. And now there could be more countries racing towards greater energy independence, all of which is music to Halliburton's ears. So the more drilling starts to kick up in other areas, that's good for Halliburton and its oil field services. And also perhaps most importantly for near-term and long-term investors is that oil is without a doubt going to play a vital role in the U.S. and around the world for years to come, even though alternative and renewable energy is gaining lots of steam and booming. Oil and gas is not going out of style any anytime soon. Halliburton topped our EPS estimates in late January and raised its outlook once again. And its executives are calling for its earnings power to, quote, strengthen in 2023 and beyond. So with this in mind, Zach's estimates are calling for its 2023 sales to climb another 16% and then another 11% in 2024 to about $26 billion. And its adjusted earnings are projected to soar 43% this year and then another 22% in 2024. This outlook showcases its growth, runway, stability, and its nice niche within the oil sector as many face a pending downturn after what was a blowout year in 2022. And it's not like Halliburton didn't have a great year. It just had a, it wasn't a massive like 100% growth year 
on the top line, like some companies did, it did 33% revenue growth in 2022 and 99% adjusted earnings growth. So still a huge year, and they're going to expect to follow this up with two straight years of more growth on both the top and bottom line. Halliburton's upwards earnings revisions help it land a Zach's rank number two buy at the moment, and those are part of a steady climb over the last several years, and they're climbing higher and higher, even though, as I said, oil and gas prices are slipping off those highs and they've they've held up steadily though recently uh hal's industry also ranks in the top 26 percent of over 250 zacks industries and it raised its dividend by 33 percent uh to 16 cents per share the stock also sports uh strong vgm grade and 13 of the 15 brokerage recommendations that zacks has are strong buys alongside two buys so wall street's still really high in the stock overall the stock is up 350% in the last three years to blow away the S&P 500. It's 43% in the energy sector. It's 100%. That huge number comes because we're now kind of coming up right against those three-year uh, or the the lows from COVID essentially in, in the last three years. So three years ago, we were near those COVID lows. That's why those percentages are so high. Still, it shows how much it's outpaced. Uh, the S&P and the energy sector over the last three years. Hal is down 10% in 2023, even as the markets popped. So it's trading at around $35 per share, which is roughly 20% below its highs and 42% under its current average jacks price target. So that's solid upside. And it's well below neutral RSI level, so it has plenty of room to keep climbing. And on the valuation side, it's trading at a 15% discount to its industry at just 11.8 times forward earnings. It's also a 20% discount to its own five-year median. So solid value here and long-term ability to expand within an area that isn't going out of style. And as I mentioned, uh, oil prices are holding up relatively well. They're obviously off those highs. But this morning, last time I looked, uh, WTI was trading at 78 around $77. So still well above uh, where we were throughout much of 2021. So it's it's a good sign that prices are not just tumbling. And as I mentioned, oil and gas is not going to go out of style anytime soon. And now we're going to move on to a totally different company that works in a totally different area of the economy, and that is analog devices, which trades from the ticker ADI. It's a leader in the analog semiconductor space that's aiming to compete against uh, Texas Instruments for supremacy in the space. Uh, ADI continues to bet a benefit from larger secular trends in the economy, such as electrification, and it beat our first quarter fiscal 2023 estimates in mid-February and provided upbeat guidance once again. So let's just dive into kind of more of what the company does as we did with Halliburton and then get into some other things. So the semiconductor maker analog devices expanded its reach to help challenge one of the biggest players, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Texas Instruments, when it completed its acquisition of Maxim Integrated back in August of 2021. So analog semiconductors, for those who aren't super familiar, uh, are on the less flashy side of the booming chip industry, and they will remain overall, the broader semiconductor space will remain the backbone of technology and arguably the entire economy for the foreseeable future. So analog semiconductors play crucial roles in countless devices, industries that those next-generation digital chips cannot meet. Uh, they help handle information not easily understood in ones and zeros, such as temperature, speed, sound, electrical currents, and much more. ADI boasts itself that uh, it combines 
analog, digital, and software technologies into solutions that help drive advancement in digitalized uh, factories, mobility, digital healthcare, combat climate change, and reliably connect humans to the world. So as I mentioned, they and other chip companies are really a huge part of the economy. They obviously go through these booms and bust cycles, and it's a historically cyclical space, but they're going to be here for the long term, su supporting the entire advanced economy as we continue to grow. So analog devices in its beefed up portfolio includes analog and mixed signal, power management, as well as radio frequency and digital and sensor technologies. It boasts around 125,000 customers globally and around 75,000 products. Uh, roughly half of its 2022 revenue, so just last year, came from the industrial sector with about 21% in the automotive market and 16% in communications and then 13% of the consumer side. So it's good. They have a wide range of areas they benefit from, and it's good to see industrial and automotive sectors doing well. Uh, the company expects to benefit long over the long haul from the expansion of the autom automation, electrification, so this is EVs and beyond, uh, advanced connectivity. They see six broad areas they're going to benefit from, what they call the industrial 4.0 uh, automotive uh, automotive uh, ecosystems, connectivity, data centers, digital healthcare, immersive consumers, and aerospace. So six broad categories that they're going to be able to benefit from from the long haul. Uh, over the last several years, they did some really solid top-line growth. So in 2021, they did 31% revenue growth. And then 2022, they did a massive 64% jump in revenue growth. So they posted about $5.6 in sales in 2020, its fiscal 2020, and then did uh, $12 billion in 2022, its fiscal 2022. And as I mentioned, they just recently reported Q1 of 2023. So looking ahead, we're calling for another 5.3% revenue growth in 2023, and then another 2.3% revenue growth next year. And then we're calling for about 11% adjusted earnings growth, and then 3% adjusted earnings growth next year. So the slowing growth does reflect a smoothed out year-over-year -year comparisons following that uh, Maxim acquisition. And it's nice to see some steady growth, whereas some companies in the space have just these wild boom and bust cycles. Uh, and overall, its positive earnings revisions, which have continued over the last three years, help it grab exact rank number one, or excuse me, exact rank number two by at the moment uh, with some really strong positivity for its current quarter, next quarter, and then obviously uh, fiscal 2023 and 2024. Uh, in terms of its stock price performance, the stock has climbed about 90% in the last five years to outpace the broader Zax tech sector's 45% and the semiconductor market's 80% run. Uh, its shares have also fared far better recently than its tech peers. The stock's up about 24% in the past 12 months compared to tech's 12% fall and the chip market's 2% drop. ADI also provides about 17% upside. So I should say ADI's current average tax price target provides 17% upside to the roughly $184 per share it's trading at at the moment. And then in terms of valuation, it's trading at a solid discount to its own 10-year median uh, of about 19.2 times forward earnings, trading at 17.2 times forward earnings at the moment. And it also marks a 20% discount to its tech sectors, average at the moment and 37% discount to its own highs over the last 10 years. So value is really strong for analog devices at the moment. And Wall Street's really bullish on the stock with 14 of the 20 broker recommendations we have sitting at 
uh, strong buys with nothing below a hold. And the company also pays a solid dividend. It's yielding about 1.9% at the moment in just this last quarter. So Q1, it returned over a billion dollars to shareholders through dividends and repurchases. And we should note the company last quarter, so the start of 20, its fiscal 2023, raised its quarterly dividend by 13%, which marked its fifth consecutive double-digit increase in its dividend payout. So along with benefiting from these huge secular trends, it's also trying to return value to shareholders. So both analog devices and Halliburton seem to be worthy uh, additions to your near-term and long-term portfolio, but especially in the near-term amid all of the market uncertainty, they've been able to provide steady upward earnings or visions over the last uh, several months and over the last year or so, along with, as I said, benefiting from paying a dividend and various other long-term positives for both of these stocks. So that does it for another episode of Full Court Finance. Until next time, I'm your host, Ben Rains. And remember, if you have any questions, please feel free to shoot us an email over at podcast at zax.com. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.